This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today I've got a special guest on the podcast for you. His name is Michael Felker. So he is the lead singer of a Christian metal band that I've been obsessed with over the last couple of months, and that is the band called Convictions. Now, this band, they have labeled themselves aggressive worship music. And for any of you that have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that is right up my alley. This is something that I've been waiting for, this kind of revolution in kind of the Christian space where it's like, hey, legit Christians and legit Christian bands that are making heavy, heavy music. And so we spent a lot of time talking about their music, some of the stuff that, you know, how the band got started and some of the later albums, his favorite albums, his favorite songs. But for those of you that maybe don't know who Convictions is, you know, I'm glad to introduce them to you. But also, if you're not really into music, don't skip this episode because we spent some time talking about some real subject matters. We spent some time talking about kind of modern church culture and how some people get lost in that because they're they're trying to fit a particular mold. And sometimes that mold is of a particular kind of music and how that's not always appropriate. So we get into a lot of those different subjects, but without further ado, let's get into it. Michael Felker, welcome to Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Thanks for having me. So to be here. Hey, I'm excited to talk to you because I just got to tell you how I even came about you because whoever dropped in and told me about your band, they need to stand up and be recognized because somebody sent me like a random DM and they said, you got to check out this band. And like, I'll get DMs like that. And it's like, okay, I check out the band and they're kind of maybe a little bit new metal or kind of radio rock. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not really into that, but I don't know how to respond. But I immediately started listening to I Won't Survive, which is y'all's album that you released here in 2021. And I was like, okay, okay. I was not expecting this. I got a little bit of uh, Bury Your Dead in there. I got a little bit of Emir in there. And then y'all kind of had your own sound. But I immediately dug it. Um, and that kind of like spurned me. People had been asking me for a long time to create a Christian metal playlist. Because they're like, Kyle, you know, you keep talking about all these different Christian metal bands. And we'll get more into why I hesitated a little bit later in this podcast. But that album kind of helped me create that metal playlist. So guys, in the show notes, you can go to Spotify and check out our Christian metal playlist. But uh, that your band has basically been the same soundtrack for the last couple of months uh, of my life and stuff that's playing in the background because I don't listen to music that often. So anyway, just wanted to kind of give you a compliment right from the beginning, just in case I piss you off at some point during this conversation, I want you to go back to how nicely it started, but let's kind of go back to the beginning with you, Michael, like what kind, what kinds of music did you listen to growing up? And I guess more specifically, what were your metal influences? Uh, so first off, I gotta, I gotta point out the, uh, the barrier dead name drop. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, what's funny uh, I, is I was listening to the first track off of the latest album and I thought the guy from barrier dead did a line or two. It was almost like your voice changes a little bit. And I got uh-huh. that dude's voice coming through. Like I'll, I'll try to look it up later and tell you the exact point, but I was like, do they know the guys from barrier dead? Did he just like sneak in the studio real quick? But anyway, that was the reason for the reference. That's such an awesome compliment. Yeah, that, I uh, I'm really stoked you said that. Uh, it's funny. I like looked up to those guys like so early on. Like uh, I even know that that guy's name is Matt Brusso. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I watched Headbangers Ball like all throughout high school, and it was like baseball cards. Like I was just collecting all these bands and names. And uh, yeah, I think that like New England hardcore. Uh, 
influence definitely like I, I like to kind of keep that around. Uh, it's definitely one of our major influences. But um, yeah, growing up, it was a lot of headbangers ball. Uh, I think like a lot of uh, metal fans, the radio is you know probably the gateway, like catching Lincoln Park or Limp Biscuit. Uh, I grew up with listening to Slipknot a lot. Um, my brother and I like we bonded over them. Um, so yeah, I think uh, mostly just uh, being on the fringes of like uh, mainstream pop culture, trying to grab like whatever uh, aggressive guitar music that would come through was kind of the gateway that would lead me down that you know heavier road. I think a lot of guys can relate to. So you listen to a lot of heavy music and I tell people all the time, if I'm listening to music more than 50% of the time, it's metalcore, hardcore, you know, death metal, something really, really aggressive. But were there other influences that you listened to? Cause I'll just be real honest with everybody right before this interview, I was rocking out to some old Paramore. So I'm just going to be real, real easy about it. And my voice cracked as I said it. So that tells you how much of a man I am, but uh, you know, were there other maybe softer influences or, or other genres or was it basically the heavy stuff? Um, maybe at an earlier age, it was probably a lot of heavy stuff. Um, but as I've gotten older, uh, one thing that like always kind of stuck out to me, I think it was actually Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. He was saying, you can't always be the heavy metal guy like you, or else you're just not the heavy metal guy. There has to be dynamic. And, uh, I think I can, I don't think it's like, I, I think that's like the perfect way of like describing like a lot of like modern metal artists is like we almost never listen to metal like i feel like you have to kind of branch out and reach in different genres and just kind of reset because it's just gotten so heavy or it's gotten so monotonous you know you really gotta like pull from other things so like me personally uh recently it's actually funny i uh um i was listening to a men's health like it was either a podcast or YouTube, but it was uh, this guy recommending spa music and he's like a bodybuilder. And I was like, spa music, that's different. <laughs> um, so lately it's just been like a lot of instrumental, like electronic music that's just like soothing. It just kind of helps me collect my thoughts and kind of get grounded again because when it's just chaos and anger all the time, it it's maybe not always the best outlet. When I think it depends on the mood that you're in, because I tell people all the time, it's like, you can't turn on Hillsong and then go and get, you know, a PR and squat. Like, it's just not going to happen for you. You need, you need something a little bit different, something that drives you a little bit more. So, so you mentioned New England metal. So is that like, which bands, because whenever I think of New England metal, I, you know, I think of Barrier Dead. I think of the Acacia Strain. That's one of my favorite bands yeah. really uh, of all time, like unbelievably brutally heavy. The, what were some of the other bands from that scene that you liked? Uh... Man, that's uh, I, I was listening to a lot of like earlier solid state bands, Haste Today. Uh, uh, there's It Dies Today, I really love them. That's probably like one of my biggest influences. Um, Sanaya Beach, that's a cool name drop. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember um, that band. I haven't, I haven't listened to them in a while. Yeah, uh, man, there's so many. Uh, being put on the spot kind of makes it hard. It's funny because they have a whole playlist. Um, I mean, really, well, I was, the cream will rise to the top in yeah, that, in that instance. Gene, there was, uh, as I dying, there's of course Slipknot, which is like a little bit of a left field band. Cause I was more focused on like the scene bands at the time, you know, like what was, mm-hmm. what was cool on MySpace. <laughs> 
Well, the cool thing is, is like, you know, you'll find bands with MySpace or Pure Volumes where I found a lot of the bands that I was into. I don't even know if that's still a thing, but August Burns Red, that's where I discovered them because their, their first full length album, uh, was, was, yeah, yeah. That was like number one on, uh, on Pure Volume. I was like, who's this band? They were all shaggy wearing Aeropostale shirts and crap. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I dug it from the very beginning. So one thing for you, and we'll get more into kind of the whole Christian influence in terms of your music, but did you feel, cause I felt this angst myself and maybe I was just unique, but you know, I would listen to living sacrifice and X toll and you know, these bands that were very, very much so Christian. Mm-hmm. And then I would have this tremendous amount of guilt whenever I would listen to the Acacia strain or slipknot or something that's harder and in some ways better, but way on the other side, especially the Acacia strain, they went off a witchcraft cliff at some point and just started losing their minds. So did you kind of have that struggle as you were kind of growing up, even in your own personal faith, listening to this music to, to get that influence and then it just not being from a Christian worldview? Uh, so actually I had like the opposite upbringing. Uh, so I didn't grow up Christian like pretty much at all up until like my like late teen years. Uh, so like 99.9% of the music I was listening to was uh, like secular, just, you know, like straight, metal bands and I loved it and I still do uh it wasn't until like I discovered uh like Shadows Are Security by Esley Dying or uh some of the older like Hey Day records Norma Jean um my dad had taken uh me and my siblings to church and I, I go to this church called Cedar Creek and they they had like a coffee shop and there was a the Norma Jean Redeemer album and he grabbed mm. that he, he bought it and he was like playing it in the car trying to like switch gears for me to kind of like show me, you know, like there's cool bands that sound insane that aren't Christian or that aren't, you know, like all doom and gloom. Like there's like positive messages in this. And I just thought it was the stupidest thing. I was like, I thought it was so funny. I was mocking those <laughs> yeah. bands. Like I was like rainbows and sunshine, you know, like laughing. <laughs> and it's just so funny how it all kind of like, turned for me. And now that's actually kind of what I'm trying to do for a living. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I guess for you, uh, when did you decide or figure out that you wanted to actually make music as a career? I've been interested in it since I was like in junior high. Uh, I think it was just a lot of bullying and feeling kind of like left out of the, the main, uh, I don't know, narrative of my peers, you know, like sports and stuff like that and just kind of being bullied and I think when I found metal, it was just this like powerful, aggressive, look at me kind of sound. And I was like, wow, like I want, I kind of want that, um, that confidence and that power, I guess. And I think when I, yeah, my earlier teen years, I was like, I think, uh, skateboarding is great and I love it. And I wanted to be a pro skater so bad and I was really good. Uh, but it wasn't until like I started a band with my, my brothers, uh, when I was about, 14, 15. And I actually played my sh- first show when I was 15. And I was like, yeah, this is, I think I'm just going to dedicate my whole life to this and I'm, I'm still doing it. <laughs> so when you say your brothers, these are your actual brothers or just, you know, really close friends? Uh, yeah. I mean, my, my stepbrother, uh, he, he was playing guitar in my first band. Uh, and my, like, uh, my dad and my stepmom had just been getting married. So it was like, we were friends that became brothers and then my other brother jake uh his he was my best friend growing up and his older brother uh would eventually marry my older sister 
Uh, so we became family in a literal sense too. So, uh, yeah, it's my brothers. Okay. That's, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, one thing that I've talked about on other podcasts is kind of being a area of disappointment for me because I'm, I'm similar to you in that I didn't grow up in church. Kind of my middle teen years is where I started going to church on my own, where I became a, a Christian and those different things. But as as a 30 something year old, right? Uh, every few months, one of those bands that I loved at the time, you know, the lead singer comes out as atheist or they said, Hey, we were never embodiment is one of those bands that they were like, yeah, we were never really Christians. Uh, we were never really into that, but we knew if we played bar shows, we'd get paid three, 400 bucks. And if we played church shows, we'd get paid like a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks. And so we just kept doing these church shows and not cussing in our music and not drinking around the pastor kind of a thing. So, I guess for you, since you're kind of in this Christian space and we'll get into kind of how you guys label yourselves as a band, is that disappointing to you? Do you feel like that is something that's still common? Because I'm, I'm unplugged from the scene as it were, like basically like, you know, once every five years when Zayo like goes on tour, like I'll catch them or something like that. But I don't really go to shows unless it's August Burns Red or, you know, something like that where I'm like, I really want to go see this band. But is the scene kind of still like that where it's people that are just kind of playing Christian? Uh, that's a, that's a tricky question. Um, my experience has been mostly really, really good. Uh, we try and market ourselves in the secular audience. Um, you know, just playing with just your normal secular bands doing bar shows and dive bars and, uh, you know, normal venues across the country and sometimes the world. Uh, but when we occasionally will come back to like Christian festivals, the creation fest, life fest, audio feed, um we're always really excited and happy like the the way you're treated i feel like is a lot more um welcoming i guess and i feel like uh more of a there's such a bigger demographic uh at these christian festivals just because everybody is kind of looking for the same messages maybe and they're wanting to support you um, so I feel like it's kind of our job to try and show something different when we enter those you know those uh, environments. Mostly our mission would be to reach like the unchurched or, um, trying to show, uh, Christianity in a, in a, maybe more of an eye level grounded way to hopefully kind of reach a, you know, a non-Christian audience and to try and build that bridge up. I think we meet a lot of people on the road that, you know, younger kids perhaps, or, or maybe older guys that grew up in it, maybe a toxic, Christian environment and we want to kind of hopefully build that bridge a little bit with like, Hey man, we're, we're normal. You know, we're, we're dudes just like you, man. If you're drinking a beer or whatever, like we're, we're here with you, man. You know, like, we're cool. Like, it's not like a, it, a lot of people maybe have been judged or, or pushed to the fringes of, you know, that church, maybe like you were mentioning, uh, and it's kind of like facilitating that, but also like, hopefully, like with our new record, I want to survive is sharing a message that I think anybody can digest. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I definitely see that within your music and you have to be kind of aware of your audience. Cause I remember 
this was back in the day when POD, when the Satellites album had just came out and this is, you know, it came out on 9-11, which is like, of course, you know, that big album would come out on such a crazy day. But then they went on tour with Corn, yeah. And I was like, no, no, you're the Christian people. You can't go with all those heathens and all that. Even though I did listen to Corn again, you know, I'm a walking contradiction in that way. But <laughs> when you say we, like as a band, when you're talking about the band, you know, we want to do this, you know, we want to have this message. So would it be fair for me to say that all the members, all four members of convictions are disciples of Jesus, you know, Christians, Bible believing Christians. And the reason I ask that is because it goes back to what I was saying with some of those other bands is you would have an, in, in outright Christian, I think of Micah Kennard with, you know, Oh Sleeper, you know, seemingly a, a very devout and outwardly Christian man. None of the other guys in the band claim that worldview publicly. And even, I guess, the the, the guitarist, lead guitarist, and, and the clean vocalist, you know, he's vehemently atheist in, in kind of the things that he does. And that's kind of the interesting dichotomy of that band. Yeah. So are all the members of Convictions Christians? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we all have the same beliefs. And uh, we, we're pretty upfront about it. Uh, I got a lot of people now, like, it's it's kind of funny. They're like, so like, are you, are you a Christian band or like, are you Christians in a band? And I'm like, come on, man. Like we're a Christian band. Like, of course, like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of a funny, I feel like people want to like walk that, you know, that line, like really funny, but it's like, if you're, if you have Christian messages in your music and you might say Jesus or God or, or like share a scripture, like people are going to find out and they're going to want to know like what you're all about. So like with us in Christianity, our faith being such a big thing, it's like, well, yeah, of course, like, we're not going to not, like, try and hide that, you know, like, it's just pointless. So yeah, like, we just say we're a Christian man, and we're Christian men, too. Yeah, I think that's really funny. Uh, whenever you were talking through that, I immediately thought of Lecrae. So when Lecrae started getting really big, you know, he started trying to distance himself from the Christian label, mm -hmm. not from Christ necessarily, even though he kind of did go off the woke deep in there for a little bit. But it, he just basically was like, hey, you know, I'm a rapper who's a Christian, as opposed to saying I'm a Christian rapper. And then he started getting invited to, you know, different parties and he started going on the BET awards and he started doing some different things almost when he dropped that label. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to imbue motive on him as to why he did that. But I do think it, it is interesting that there are a lot of bands that just, they don't know which side to be on. I, whenever I was interviewing Matt Griner with August Burns Red, he kind of took us through, uh, you know, this come to Jesus moment, no pun intended, where the band had to decide, like, are we a band? Is this our career? Like, we're just going to try to be the biggest band and support ourselves and our families? Or are we a Christian band? Are we spreading the gospel? And, you know, they kind of had to make that decision. So guys, check out my interview with Matt Griner to get the answer to that. How about that for a segue? But let's go ahead and get back into Convictions. So let's just start with, you know, give us the SparkNote version of how the band came together. And then why did you choose the name Convictions? Okay. Uh, so the band, I want to say, was formed around 2010, 11. Uh, it was almost a completely different lineup with the exception of Zach on drums and Josh, our guitar player. Uh, when they formed, uh, the idea was to make a really aggressive, straight, straight up Christian hardcore band. Uh, but the members of the band were conflicted because they felt they were not worthy to try and share this, you know, glorious message when they are, you know, like having their own sins and struggles and personal obstacles that they're facing. So uh, it, it all just kind of came to the idea that, hey, guys, let's just write about our convictions. And that was like the pun that sparked the name. Uh, and that's kind of been the... I guess, cornerstone of what we do. We try and just 
tell it like it is, try and be as transparent as we can uh, with our like vulnerabilities and things like that and the struggles. And I think that having that realness or at least attempting to uh, makes like a, the message in our faith way more real, I think, because a lot of people, their idea of like Christian music is just sunshine and daisies. And it's so hard to relate to that, especially for like a younger audience, maybe, or a secular audience or like, it's not really like that. You know, you don't understand my situation. Sure. God's good. And, and his ideals or message or whatever is great, but that's just not where I'm at, you know? And, and I think our goal is to kind of show that grit and that, you know, that in the trenches atmosphere that a lot of people go through and be like, look, this is real life. Like here we are. So let's try and talk about some of these difficult things and hopefully people can find um, the relatability and something real there. That's, that's the biggest goal, I think. Well, even from your website, I, I pulled a quote from it. It's that we feel that just because you are a Christian doesn't mean you are exempt from the struggles of this world. And so, but even still, like even, even in the kind of the metal world where things do tend to be a little bit more ethereal, a little bit more dark, why write? music, you know, specifically lyrically. And I don't know if you're the only one that writes lyrics or if the whole band does it. I don't really know how that works. So maybe you can tell us that as well, but why write about things that are that real? Why not keep things more vague and, and in kind of the safer areas? It's tricky. Uh, I think with our band, like we just can't do that. Uh, we've, I think we've tried a little bit here and there, or at least kept it a little more broad to try and maybe reach a, you know, that wider audience. Um, and I, it's tough. <laughs> like I want to, and there's times like where it can be appropriate, but I've found the most success with just being super on the nose sometimes or, or like really specific. So that was kind of the concept of our, our new record was I'm just going to tell real stories uh, and try and keep it true to the, the source material as I can. And each song will have its own, specific event and struggle and hopefully someone that relates to that can grab onto that and, and run with it or maybe someone can see it and be like wow that's inspiring uh like it's inspired us so i feel like convictions has found they're our most success with uh being specific and, and on uh you know on that track versus broad broad strokes songwriting I certainly appreciate that as well. And, you know, in episode 176 of our podcast, we talked about how, you know, contemporary worship music is typically for women and effeminate men. And a lot of that is because, you know, the lovey dovey love song over and over and over singing to Jesus, like he's your boyfriend, that only gets you so far. And, you know, when people are struggling with real world issues, whether it's things being done to them, things that they've done, or things that are happening to the people that they love around them, it, it can't always be those rainbows and sunshine. Like you can't just turn on Bethel and it's like, Oh, I feel better. Like that doesn't always work for a lot of people. Like for me, I had some frustration this morning. So I took it out on myself in my garage gym. Right. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I laid down on the ground afterwards. I had a nice little sweat angel right there. I wasn't listening to cutesy wootsy whistling music, right? It was something that I just needed something a little bit different, but to even kind of back up categorically, because I know not everybody understands the categories of metal music. So I personally would consider y'all metal core, but I mean, I just want you to tell me if you had to kind of label your band to kind of give the audience a better idea, you know, define what you are, because pretty much everyone calls you screamo, but if you have <laughs> screaming lyrics and it's like, you don't know what that means. Like, come on, like you're driving me insane. So what would you categorize the band as? That's so funny. That happens 
like almost every day. <laughs> I work at yeah, FedEx. Yeah. And uh, uh, because of the pandemic, I've been there like basically full time. And I'm, I'm always like trying to pitch our music to like my coworkers and uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, so it's Screamo. And I'm like, no, oh, God. it's not. It drives me insane. <laughs> it's like, look, look. I'm not drying my my tears with my bangs as I'm clearing off my eyeliner. Like that's that gives you a better idea what screamo is. But yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I just say metalcore if uh, if someone's familiar with uh, you know the genres. Uh, yeah, I mean like we have other influences, deathcore and hardcore. But I, I guess if you're really knowledgeable of the scene, it's probably just metalcore. Okay. And I would say that you've, you've given yourselves an additional label and this was the label from your website that really made me reach out to you guys. Cause I was like, okay, I got to talk to these folks, but you kind of have labeled yourself aggressive worship. Yeah. Okay. So I know what I mean by that because I've told people that that's what I want. And I, I can't remember the name of the band. I'll have to look it up maybe while you're giving your next, uh, next answer. But, um, I think it was the lead singer of, sleeping giant he's like doing some sort of like a worship thing now mm -hmm. hang on i'm just gonna do it live what is the name of this uh holy name yeah. okay and so that's it's kind of heavy and still kind of churchy at the same time but you know when you guys say that you're aggressive worship music what do you mean by that so aggressive worship was kind of like the moniker uh convictions coined like right from the beginning uh it's a to me it's it's kind of a literal definition i think it's uh like when we're performing uh to me you know like when you're performing your music and you're headbanging and you have your you know the way you move and, and you got these like little routines uh it's kind of like the detachment of that and and like for me when i'm performing it's like abandoning the whole like let's look cool and let's you know try and put on a show it's it's abandoning that and then literally physically worshiping God. So it's like an aggressive worship, but you know, it's also the sound of the music. It's the way you feel. It's maybe the, you know, your outlet. Uh, I think it describes what we do perfectly. And I, and I, yeah, that's something we've stuck, stuck with since they created it. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's awesome. So do you feel like that has, maybe it's obviously stuck with convictions, but do you feel like that is maybe spread out into other bands that have the same, you know, forgive the pun convictions as you guys, you know, maybe they have the same worldview as you. Are they kind of bringing on this aggressive worship moniker? Do you feel like that's going to explode and blow up at some point? Because me personally, I would love to see that, but what are you seeing from your end? I know it's a little bit hard with, with COVID, but you know, just kind of give me an idea what you're seeing. Uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's definitely a, uh, an underground, movement if you will there's kingdom core which uh give them a little plug <laughs> those guys are awesome yeah uh and there's like i christian rock there's uh yeah there's like all the you know these underground christian hardcore uh bands and outlets uh i think it's really cool i think aggressive worship was just kind of like convictions uh country you know like we're that's how that's where we fit in on that but uh i, I think it's just kind of a a, a slogan or a moniker that we stand by. Uh, and you know, every, I think a lot of, a lot of cool bands have their own version of that, but I think the, at, at its core, I think we're all kind of doing the same thing like sleeping giant. They, um, I think it's like kingdom over everything or spirit core, you know, like there's that kind of similar, um, you know, similar message. Uh, I think it's becoming more popular. 
Okay. So for, for you guys, well, maybe just you specifically, I've talked about this a lot on this podcast. I've done entire episodes on it, but worship music just doesn't have the impact on me that it has on other people. And part of that is wiring. You like the music you like, like, why do you like jazz? I don't know. Why do you like metal? I don't know. Like you just like what you like. Right. Um, but I just, whenever I'm singing that, it just doesn't feel like it's, it's fitting, especially the modern stuff, yeah. right? The, the, the super emotive, we're going to do the chorus 17 times in a row. Everything has a synthesizer on it. Like that, that type of thing. That's how I feel. And I felt that way. And I, I kept that inside cause I was ashamed sh- by it. Right. You know, a yeah. lot of people were just, you know, this one guy, you know, reached out to me or he basically told me, he's like, Kyle, you know, if, if you don't like worship music, you're probably not saved. And he was serious cause he was a worship pastor at a church. And I was just like, you know, what the hell do you do with that? And like, you're, you're trying to figure out how to be a Christian and you're listening to this music. And you're like, this music sucks. Is this what it's going to be like <laughs> in heaven? I'm just going to have to listen to this over and over. I can't take it. I'll go to wherever is other than here. But, but for you, do, do you have those feelings or have you had those feelings when listening to worship music? Because as you admitted, you had almost 20 years of kind of secular music that, that kind of just marinated you, um, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you get into the worship space, like, what is that? How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I loved your, I think it's, it might just be your intro now. Uh, I I listened to the link you sent me yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was driving and I was listening. And I was like, wow, that is me to a T. Like, I, I don't know what it is about worship music, but like, like you said, maybe it's just like the way I've been brought up and how long I've been in the secular realm, but it just doesn't, just doesn't do it for me. I get so, um, I mean, there's definitely songs and moments that I'll have, of course, uh, especially if it's a, a powerful message, you know, or maybe someone speaking over, uh, some type of instrumental music. Uh, I, it can definitely move me for sure. And I, and I understand it, but uh, like you said, like Hillsong and on all these uh, artists that are so popular, I just don't know about. Uh, there's festivals we've done when I'm like, who's Skillet? And they're like, what? Like, what? Like, and I'm like, I just don't know, man. Like, I'm just not there. And it doesn't have that impact on me. I, I must have missed the, missed the train on that. But uh, <laughs> I have a funny comment that's, well, uh, I think it was actually last night. I was showing my brother. There's this TikTok of this worship pastor and he's trying to like break the mold and get out of the uh the standard uh cues in worship music so he starts playing and he's he was told not to he starts playing the jurassic park jurassic park yeah theme song it brought me to tears Dude, i was so, so funny i was so dead um i think uh it, yeah it's i think that kind of describes some of my relationships with uh uh worship music it just it's i don't know <laughs> I want to like it and I, and I definitely can feel it, but it's my like least favorite part of church. Like I'm like, just get to the message. This is where I, I connect with and I can kind of immerse myself. Sometimes the worship music, it's a, it, it can be a bit jarring or distracting for me. Uh, just give me, you know, just give me some hardcore as uh, August Burns Red or something. And I'm like, there I am. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's funny you said that you want to like it. I, I do as well because I hate that every Sunday for approximately 20 minutes, I sit there and I'm like, Oh no, 
please be over with, please get done. And, you know, and I don't want to be judgmental either because I'm not a musician, but you know, it's the 17 people on stage. All of them have microphones, but only five of them are turned on. It's like, you're not singing a 17 part (laughs) harmony. Why are all those microphones up there? Um, But I, I think that it's conversations like this and, you know, I'm still kind of fleshing out my philosophy on this area that is helping a lot of men. Because one thing that I found out, you know, in talking about this, every time I talk about it, I will get DMs and emails from people that are like, dude, you're describing me exactly. I thought I was crazy. I thought I wasn't saved. And, you know, maybe we're the ones that are in the wrong here, but I I don't really get the sense that it is that way. But there is a way where you can kind of be a douche about it, where if you're overly like judgmental, like this is stupid. I don't want to come here. You know, where's the breakdown? Like, don't be that person. These are just musicians that are donating their time. Like it is of no consequence uh, to, to, to demean these people. But it's, it's music that's not going to speak to everybody. No, yeah, I, I have a lot of back and forth with it too. Like, like I said, sometimes I am super moved, maybe to the point of like wanting to cry. It just depends on you know if the Holy Spirit is present and I'm and I'm engaged. If it's not, you know, nine a.m. and I'm getting off a third shift or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it just depends. I I, I definitely have the open heart for it, or I try to, and. Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't just because of that, uh, maybe that disconnect from my upbringing. But I think the Holy Spirit can speak in so many different ways. Like I, one of my favorite artists is uh, an electronic instrumental band called Tycho. And I, from everything I know, they're not a Christian band, but it's something about that music really speaks to me spiritually. And I'm able to like pray or have my my moment with God and maybe it's in the background and it only enhances it. And that maybe that wasn't the intent of the artist, but that's just how I think God is translating that music to me. Uh, and you can worship in so many, so many ways. I think, uh, I think that gets overlooked a lot. You know, like if you're a carpenter, you know, you're, the way you're working with the wood and you're, and you're molding it like that is worship, you know, or, Maybe you're in a band and you're break, you're doing a breakdown and you're sweating and you're you're about to crack the neck of your guitar because you're just so into it. That's worship too. You know, like it just it doesn't have to be like you said a, a twenty part harmony with uh, sixteen mics turned off. You know, like it, maybe I don't know. I think if you have the heart open to it, I think that's enough for God. Right. And I think, I think you're making a great point because people think of worship as a categorical thing, right? This is what worship is. And this is all that worship can be kind of a thing. And so I I remember, and I'm going back to POD, which is, you know, not the band that I, that I've listened to the most, but that was a band like the fundamental elements of Southtown. That was like one of the first Christian albums that I owned from, from back in the day. I I still love that album. I listened to it here recently, but I remember seeing them live in concert for the first time, you know, in my mid twenties and like, I've never really felt the need to put my hands up and worship at like, you know, a church camp or kind of like a church service. But like that time, like I literally closed my eyes and put my hands up in the sky. And I was like, I was worshiping God at that moment. I feel like I've worshiped God in mosh pits before yeah, uh, yeah. with bands. Like, you know, the, you know, at the end of Oh Sleeper shows when, when they're doing, you know, kind of their, their closing song and, and different things like that, like, something comes over me when for today, when, when uh devastator comes on, yeah. like I literally turned to my buddy and I said, I'm not responsible for what I'm about to do if they play devastator. And then they hit the intro for devastator. I was like, watch out. So it's just, it's something that's a little bit different, but I think it's helpful to, for people to know that worship is not this one thing in this one category for this certain group of people that dress a certain way. I mean, am I crazy? No, I think you're, you're opening the door to a really important conversation that we find ourselves in convictions having a lot which is uh, 
Christian culture. Uh, there's new people that'll come to like church or, um, you know, Christian cliques and they, they'll feel, uh, excluded. Like they're not a part of the conversation, uh, because you're not doing Christianity the way that maybe they are. And maybe that's a Western Christian culture thing. But, uh, like you said, like with the worship and stuff, like there's only one way to do it. And if you're not doing it the way that I do in my church, then you might need to be saved. And it's like, no, like maybe we're playing for the same team, but I'm just, uh, you know, I'm in the outfield and I'm, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like you, you see what I'm getting at? Like, it's like, yep. uh, I think that there's a, there's a lot of toxic, um, experiences that come with that. I think, when your heart is on fire for God and you're worshiping and, and you're, you're the way that you're connecting with God, if it's, you know, sound, then I think, uh, I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. You know, I think that's, that shouldn't be shamed so often. I think. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Um, you did mention this a little bit, but I'm, I'm kind of interested to know what COVID did to the band, because I know a lot of bands were, were gearing up like they normally gear up for spring tours and, and summer tours. And I know that's where a lot of you guys make your money and you make it off merch and, and you know, it pushes album sales and streams and things like that. So, you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, I think you released an album in 18 and then you know, you released this album, the shorter album this year in 2021. So was that time where y'all just kind of went into the lab and, and I know y'all live in different places. So were you just writing a bunch of music and then combining it? Were you just rehearsing? Like what was 2020 like for you guys? All the above. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was definitely a big turning point for our band because, uh, after we put out our record, hope for the broken, uh, we decided to leave our, our label that we were on at the time. And we ended up losing, John, our, our former bass player and singer. Uh, so it was a really difficult moment for us because it, it was like either sink or swim. And going into the lab, like you mentioned, was kind of a, a necessity. We had to reevaluate what we're doing and why we're doing it and what we should sound like. And, and that stuff wasn't overnight. It took a long time. Uh, we ended up working with a new producer, put out a single called Hurricane. Uh, we had a bass player who was singing for us that was filling in uh, great guy. Uh, we got close with him. He ended up sharing some of his testimony and experience with uh, losing his mother and some substance abuse with pills and, and things like that. And it was so inspiring to me and, and the guys. So we started writing a song for it and that kind of sparked this, uh, this idea where I'm going to go out and find people that we've met that have inspired us with their, uh, their stories and to start interviewing them and, and writing about it. And so all throughout COVID, I had way more time than I anticipated to sit down with these guys and to start asking questions and, and dissecting their experience and writing song, you know, writing songs on it. So that was a blessing in disguise, I think, but still it was really difficult because we all live in different states and we're sending demos through facetime and text mm -hmm. messages and yeah it was quite an ordeal but uh, i think the biggest takeaway and blessing was having the time well i think the th one thing that's interesting for me having just found the band and, and that's the thing that i always hate is when you find a band that's already like three four albums deep and you found the latest album you're not coming along with them mm -hmm. right because like with zeo my favorite band ever i was there for basically the beginning right the the beginning of the dan wayan era and so i've been able to kind of you know 
feel that band out as they've moved and transitioned. But for, for my money, the latest album is my favorite. And I think it's because of the depth, not only the, the music's more interesting to me for some reason, like it seems more complicated, like there's more things going on. So like whenever you're, you're listening to it on repeat, like you're, you're pulling out different things. But also one thing that I have a bad habit of is I don't really follow along with the lyrics. I'm more, you know, more so sorry to the, to the vocalist I'm talking to, but I'm like more so into the drums and guitars and whatever. But then with this album, for whatever reason, I felt the need to stop and really take in the lyrics. And my favorite song off of that album is the price of grace. And whenever I listened to, and it was just because of it musically. And then I looked at the lyrics. I was like, something is going on here. Like something happened. And this is a kind of a deeper thing. And and I did a little bit of digging, but I do want you to kind of tell our audience uh, about this song because it takes on the very serious subject of suicide, a subject that we've covered here on this podcast, but it does have an interesting backstory, the price of grace song. So how about you give it to us? Yeah. Uh, So the price of grace is written through the eyes of a good fan and now friend of ours. His name is CJ. Uh, CJ had a, uh, a buddy that he was introducing to metal. So he's taking him to shows named Travis. Uh, so CJ and Travis would come and they'd see us all over the country. They seen us in like New York, Florida, Texas. Like they were doing these road trips to see us. Um, and we, uh, we ended up like becoming pretty cool with these guys. They're really cool. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it's pretty challenging. Cause like we were close to these guys. I can still like see his face. Like everything is like still present. We had a personal connection with these guys. Um, but, uh, Travis, he was new to metal and I remember, uh, he'd always come with his convictions hat. Like he was like, uh, like you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, it was like, uh, he was just like there for, support he's a really cool guy uh but he's really quiet and really reserved and uh i don't know not, like thinking about it in hindsight like you can kind of see like early signs that maybe this guy had some struggles and he was just kind of keeping to himself maybe he felt like he couldn't speak what was on his heart or, or some of the struggles he was going through um but uh later down the road cj he uh he called me between tours and he had told me that Travis actually took his life. And for me, I, I haven't experienced suicide with my like close family members or, or my circle of friends. And hearing about that, it kind of like, it shook me. Like I was like kind of numb. I didn't know how to react. It was just this big, heavy weight that just got put on. And, uh, and then we had to go right back on the road. And one thing with convictions is we always try and share an important message or current event like on stage halfway through our set, we'll just kind of like talk and share something. And so I started telling the story about Travis and how he maybe couldn't as like a, you know, strong, tall, built, tough guy. He couldn't share his heart perhaps. And maybe that led to, you know, him hurting himself. So I kind of wanted to speak out on that. And, uh, and there were so many guys and girls that would come up to us after the show and share their experience with suicide and how they may have felt like they also couldn't share their feelings and maybe it's toxic masculinity or maybe it's their upbringing or or what have you, but it was a really therapeutic thing. And I think that kind of sparked the, uh, the thought of writing a song on it. 
And CJ, he was super cool about us doing that. So I interviewed him throughout COVID, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, he allowed me to ask him some very sensitive questions and he was very open to it. So uh, yeah, the price of grace is, uh, I try to tell it in a, I try to tell CJ's story, uh, like firsthand account chronologically. So it starts off with him in his dorm. Uh, there's a lyric that says circles through circles. I'm spiraling around the room. This phone call, I'm in denial, lost in the static of the silence of your silence. Uh, that's supposed to be him receiving the phone call that, uh, Travis had taken his life. And then there's this downward spiral CJ goes through with these, as he's handling the five stages of grief. So I kind of tried to chronologically go through each of the five stages of grief and use his real life, uh, uh, moments to kind of explain his journey through that. Uh, and it was really a unique experience because we actually were able to have a, a real uh, voicemail that CJ has had sent us uh, just kind of explaining what he was going through and how he's feeling and what he would, what he really wanted to share with Travis after he got the news. So it's, uh, it's been a really interesting journey uh, after we had put the song out because there's just been so many people that have reached out to us and shared their experiences and, and how this song has affected them. And uh, us as, uh, as artists, <laughs> like, we, it's hard to react to that. Like, what do you say? You know, it's when someone shares something so deep and personal, I think it's more about listening and trying to understand and, and have empathy. And if you can be a shoulder to those who, you know, want to open up. And that kind of goes all the way back to what I was saying earlier about how people may feel like they can't share what they're struggling with. So opening that conversation, I think is the best thing that we could have done. Yeah. And, and I just got to tell you, it's whenever you go into these serious areas where you can have the biggest impact, because when you cover things with your music, or maybe when I cover things on my show, it's extending that olive branch or opening up that door for somebody to reach back out. Some of the emails that I get, Michael, are like, what do I do with this? Just a couple of days ago, this guy basically said he was in such a dark place. You know, he's thinking about hurting himself, you know, similar to the situation that you were in, yeah. but he's listening to my show and it's helping him get through. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I can't even like, I'm not even addressing his issue directly, mm -hmm. but you're just giving somebody an outlet and that doesn't make you special, but it does give you a special amount of responsibility that right. you need to give to whatever community you're in. So I'm in the, you know, podcasting Christian men's space, you're in the music space. And it's like, that's your responsibility as an artist, because most of us are not creating things that are going to be echoing hundreds and hundreds of years from now. Right. I'm not sure that anyone hundreds of years from now is going to be listening to this conversation. I hope so, but you do the most with the, the impact that you have and you try to increase that level of impact. But you know, here I, here I go preaching again. I want to kind of get back to the, the stuff with you guys, but I just wanted to kind of let you know, I'm so glad that y'all are doing that. I think that's a very, very important thing that y'all chosen to do. And I would encourage you to continue doing it. But now I'm going to make you pick your favorite kid and people hate doing that, but I love it because I like making people uncomfortable. So <laughs> let's just say God's talking to you. He's about to snap his fingers and he says, you can leave the world one convictions album. What is the album that you're leaving the world? And number two, you get to leave, you know, let's say he, God gives you six months with that album, but then he's going to go down to one song. All right. You have to leave one song for humanity. What is your favorite album? What's your favorite song that you have made? Uh, oof. okay. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to probably just stick with, I won't survive. 
uh, I think just because it, it reaches such a wide audience and it, and I think it's going to have a really big impact. I, I've seen what it's done already. Uh, that would probably be, that'd probably be it. And uh, I really like the price of grace. I, I feel like that's probably like my most, I think, I don't know, one of my strongest works that I've been a part of. Um, uh, yeah, I think that one stands out. Other than that, I would say from our record, I will become, and then the song I will become, that's really up there. But then there's also Brother's Blood because that's close to home. <laughs> so to answer your question, I'm, if it's like right here, right now, I'd probably just say I won't survive the price of grace. Okay. Sounds good. Well, you can't change your mind now. It's already done. We're going to put this out there. So unfortunately for you. Now, one thing that I felt like was interesting when I was clicking through y'all's website is I was kind of going through the merch and I saw a couple of t-shirts that had the upside down cross on it. Now in the metal space, when you see the upside down cross, you're assuming that you're going to see a pentagram somewhere that you're going to see a behemoth, you know, Satan depicted yeah. as a winged goat and the horns and the whole nine. But obviously knowing about your band and knowing about your worldview, I thought it was an interesting choice to use that. It almost feels like from an outside perspective that you're reclaiming that symbol. Because uh, again, I've seen that symbol over and over and over, and it's usually being represented by somebody that's trying to give off, you know, a demonic type of a worldview because it's like, no, screw the cross, we're going to turn it upside down. But as any Bible-believing Christian knows, you know, the Apostle Paul was not worthy. He felt unworthy of being crucified in the same way as his Savior, and so he wanted to be crucified upside down. But it has been co-opted by kind of the the satanic community, if there is such a thing. So that was an interesting choice. So kind of walk me through the choice to do that as a design. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think you answered it. <laughs> uh, that reclaiming of, uh, of the symbol was, uh, I think, definitely a motive. Because, uh, yeah, we, we've seen lots of bands and stuff like that. No, no, we're not knocking other bands. Like, there's some really good bands out there that don't agree with what we were saying. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, I think the overall goal was to open, open conversation. And it's been really effective. We've had a lot of people... Uh, some that have stuck out to me are, are so simple, but like a kid wearing that shirt in a Wendy's <laughs> and an old lady being like, what are you doing? Like, that's the devil, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, actually don't judge a book by its cover. I'm going to like share the gospel with you. And then it's just like this crazy moment. We've heard, we've heard a lot of stories like that and it's really cool. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest goal. Uh, you know, not, not judging a book by its cover, taking the symbol back. Um, but it was also kind of a nod to our EP that we had released at the time called Unworthy. Uh, so this is the whole idea of feeling unworthy of the salvation that, you know, Jesus gave, you know, on the cross. Uh, so that was, uh, I think just like where we're at in that time and space and the, the impact that it's had is I think been the biggest reason why we've kept, kept that going for so long. Um, yeah, there's a yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of good that's come out of it, and there's a lot of really funny uh, realizations that I think some Christian groups have had because we've we've brought in that shirt and stuff to like a lot of these festivals, and there's been like the parents that have come up to us and be like, "What are these guys doing here? Like they need to go," <laughs> and like what is, there's screaming and there's the symbol and all that, and we're like, "Why don't you look at the lyrics or why don't you talk to us?" You know, instead of just passing judgment, and it's uh, it's kind of a I think it's a good thing. 
Well, I think it's good also to kind of to play into those things, but use it for good, because I think of impending doom. I don't know if they still do this, but they had the re-pentagram, right? right. It, was a, it was an adjusted pentagram, but then even O Sleeper, I think it's fourth time I mentioned them on the show, but they did like the pentagram with the horns missing, yep. which kind of went along with their song, The Finisher, and, you know, kind of all the things about the, you know, Satan getting his horns cut off by by God, like, and that's kind of a big deal. But anyway, that that's all really, really good stuff. I love the designs on y'all's t-shirts. So I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes so guys can check it out. But as we bring this episode to a close, I'm going to do a segment with you that I love that not everybody loves uh, because I, I have to put you on the spot again and I'm going to do it over and over. It's called, what would you say to someone that said? So I'm going to say that, what would you say to someone that said? And then I'm going to fill in the blank with just some random topic. But here's the deal. You got 30 seconds or less to give me your answer. Okay. This is lightning round. So we're not going to kind of flesh it out or see what we can do to figure it out. It is bare bones, meat and potatoes. I know I can already feel you uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable right now. And I love it. I love doing that because I got the big microphone. That's how this goes. So are you up for it? What would you say to someone that's it? Yeah. Uh, full disclosure. I just woke up 30 minutes ago. Well, an hour ago at this point. So even better, even better than we're going to get your honest, tired answers. This is great for me. Okay. I'm just telling you, this is going to be good. All right. So let's launch into the first one. We'll get you going. What would you say to someone that said there is no way to make metal Christian? It's inherently demonic. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. You got to give me a little bit more. You got a whole oh, 30 seconds fast. here. I, thought this was I know that that is fast, but you, you got 30 seconds. Just don't go on for two minutes. Okay. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, there's amazing things that have been done with music. It's not, there's no demons, demonic chords or anything like that. I think you're, you're thinking an old way of thinking. Fair enough. All right. Next one here. What would you say to someone that said, how can there be a God that watches their children burn? I think that's actually a lyric from one of y'all songs. Ooh, that's a, that's going to be a long answer. Uh, that's, that's against the rules. It's against the rules. You got 25 seconds. Uh, I think man cannot understand the complexity of, of God. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a purpose, even if we can't see it. There you go. All right, next question here. What would you say to someone that said, I just can't do the screaming vocals in metal music? <laughs> I think my mom completely understands where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all into what we're into. Sometimes it just agrees with your palate. All right, here we go. We're about halfway through. What would you say to someone that said, you're going to regret getting all those tattoos? You're probably right. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> hey, I don't see any on your face yet, which that's kind of like a new right. mumble rap thing. So, I got, hey, I you know, I, we, can still care, we can still cover them up. All right, here we go. <laughs> what would you say to someone that said, the road presents too much temptation for anyone to overcome? Uh, no. Uh, in fact, I think being on the road will definitely open, open you up spiritually. It has for me, uh, seeing just how good people are is one of the most spiritual eye opening things I, I never expected. People are way night. People are inherently good more often than you think. All right. Very good. A few more left. What would you say to someone that said, I want to start a metal band? Uh, prepare to be broke, sacrifice a lot, and uh, to, to be physically sore all the time. There you go. Nothing but positives. All right. Two more. What would you say to someone that said, I don't like contemporary worship music? Uh, me too. 
uh, it's okay. There's there's a lot there's a lot more genres and sounds and bands that you you might like. All right, last question of the day. What would you say to someone that said, if you don't like contemporary worship music, you're not saved? Nope. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with that. Uh, hopefully that person expands their horizons a bit. That would be the hope for everybody that would say such a thing. But hey, Michael, you, you, we went into a lot of detail in a lot of different areas, so I really appreciate your time. But that is all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, just, uh, show my gratitude. Thank you for having me and thank you for listening and supporting an amazing podcast like this. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Michael Felker, thanks for coming on Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Thank you. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. We really enjoyed our time with Michael, so we hope you did as well. Before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness. And specifically, we do that by providing you content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So here are the links I've got for you. So we've got the links. It's all convictions, pretty much. So we've got the convictions website. We've got where you can listen to them on Spotify, Apple Music, where you can subscribe to them on YouTube. And then also I've got the official lyric video for the song that we talked about in the show, called The Price of Grace. And then also Michael mentioned Kingdom Core on Facebook. So they've got a few thousand followers. But if you're into this musical space, right, you need to check out Kingdom Core because they kind of have their thumb on the pulse of all the bands that are in this scene. And then also in our show notes, we've got even more links to where you can go to our Spotify playlist because a lot of you guys have been asking about the Christian Metal playlist and it'll live there. All right. Thanks guys so much. We really do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and like us on Facebook. And also you can check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. We also want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links to everything are in the description. I'm your host Kyle Thompson. Remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>